Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. What a blessing to be together, amen? It is good to be the church. It is good to be together uh, as the church. And uh, we're spending this month considering worship. You like to consider worship? Uh, Last week we focused on a recognition of the greatness and the awesomeness and the power and the wonder and the amazing reality of the God and the designer of creation. And the response of praise by creation, some of that response by creation is just by its very existence that God can receive praise because creation is so wonderful. And then God calls us and invites all people to praise Him. From world leaders to ordinary people like you and me. When I prayed for direction about what to, uh, to speak on, there were three stories that came to me very distinctly, spanning the scriptures. The first one is from Genesis chapter 22, and that's where we're going to go today, Genesis 22. The second one comes from Judges 6, and we're going to go there next week. And the third from Matthew chapter 1, because the next time that I'll speak then will be the beginning of December, and that will be Advent, as we look forward to remembering the birth of our Lord and Savior. And we ended the message last week on our knees. Because the two main words in the Bible, one from the Old Testament, one from the New, that are translated worship, have the literal idea of kneeling. And the narrative of Genesis 22, I believe, very naturally meets us at that place. The place of vulnerability on our knees. And not only vulnerability, but we've heard the word more than once this morning is the place of surrender, the place of giving things over to God. So will you do, you do a, a, just a very simple little exercise with me. Uh, you don't have to, but I invite you to. I invite you to take your two hands, and I invite you just to clench them really tightly, as though you were holding something that you didn't want somebody else to get. And oftentimes, or sometimes what happens is when we, when we do that, actually our whole body tenses up. You do that as long as you want while I tell you this story. <laughs> when I was a child, my sister and I would get into a fair bit of conflict. No surprise. And both my sister and I had been given a stuffy by our parents that we would sleep with. But unfortunately, one night, I was sick, and I threw up all over mine. And so I called my mom in the night, and my mom came into the room, and she took the stuffy, and she very kindly, she, she put it into the washing machine, and it came apart in the washing machine. It was destroyed. And so I went into my sister's room in the middle of the night, 
And I said, give me yours. And I grabbed her stuffy. And I grabbed her. I have a, if we can switch, uh, Nathan, if we can switch, if we're able to switch to uh, my presentation, that'd be great. Thank you. So, So like a dog wanting to hold on to a bone, I grabbed, I grabbed her stuffy and I started running out. She ran out after me and she grabbed the other end of her stuffy and we pulled and we pulled and then there was this dreadful, terrifying, very distinct ripping sound. And all of the inside, the foam inside, that all spilled out and it was destroyed And my sister was screaming, and I was screaming, and she was crying, and I was crying. We were bawling, and I feel so badly for my mom, (laughs) who will be here next week. And I just hope she doesn't remember it when somebody says to her, Do you remember when your son ruined your daughter's stuffy? Now, if you haven't let go of your clenched fists yet, you can. But I think you probably all, or mostly all have. The story is meant to illustrate my selfishness. And this is a key principle this morning that that we can remember. Is that sometimes we hold on and refuse to let go of things that really don't belong to us. And that can even be things that we think belong to us, but that don't really belong to us. Oftentimes, without even realizing it, we want control. We want control, be it over other people, be it over ourselves, be it over circumstances. And that is a struggle that humankind has faced since the beginning of time as we understand it. When Adam and Eve listened to the voice of Satan, they took the fruit, they treated it as though it was theirs, and... They suffered massive consequences. So move from Genesis chapter 3 and the fall to Genesis 22, to Abraham, and to a staggering, I think, example of surrender, of holding on to something, actually someone, but holding on to what had actually been given by God. And how often when we have things that we are responsible for, people we are responsible for, how often we take them on so that we believe that they belong to us and that we own them. Unlike Adam and Eve. And that fruit did never belong to them. But in this case, it's Abraham. What had been given to him, he could have argued it belonged to him. And what would he do with his grip? What would he do with his grip? Just a little bit of backstory about Abraham. So Abraham had been called by God at the age of 75. Now remember though, Abraham lived to be 175. I think, I, I believe the air was a lot better back then. So Abraham is 75 years old. He's called by God to move from where he lived in a place called Haran or Haran 
to move down about 800 kilometers, 500 miles, to come down to Canaan. And Canaan is a large region that includes now the country of Israel. And Genesis 15 records God's promise to Abraham in a vision that he would have a son and have an abundance of descendants, including Jesus. 25 very eventful years later, you can read that in the, in the chapters 15 to 22, very eventful years of the life of Abraham. Of Abraham. At the age of 100, Abraham, along with his wife Sarah, who was the age of 90 at the time, had a miracle baby, a miracle child. And they named him Isaac. And then fast forward several years and we come to Genesis chapter 2. And this is how it begins. Now it came about that God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham. The Abraham and God had a very close relationship. Not that Abraham always did things well. As, as I say, if you read from Genesis 15 through 22, you see some very interesting things that happened throughout his life. But it came about that God tested Abraham and he called him. This is really important and I believe it's very helpful for our faith. And that is that God allows our faith to be tested in order to invite us to trust, to depend, to worship. Would you say amen to that? That God does allow us to be tested. I read this week a, a church leader who made a statement to this effect. We welcome anyone to be part of our church because God accepts you just the way you are and you don't have to change. So, yeah, I liked it up until that last phrase because God does accept us just as we are. That's how he receives us. And then what does he want to do? He wants to mold us. He wants to shape us. He wants to transform us. When I encounter the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, I will be changed. I will want to change if I experience the manifest presence of God. And while many voices will say, you do whatever you want, you're your own boss, you are in control because God loves you permissively. So you do just whatever you want because God loves you. And that means that you just, you're in control. What we learn from Adam and Eve, and we learn from Abraham, and we learn from the teaching of Jesus, and we learn from the New Testament, as well as the Old, that God loves us with a transforming love. God does not tempt us, James 1.13. But as a loving parent, God watches us. God tests us even and will allow testing, inviting us to change. Inviting us to be shaped, to recognize our need to trust, our need to change, 
our need to give up ultimate control, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to be changed, to become more and more transformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Jesus was kind. But Jesus was also confrontational with sin. As many people will say, well, you know, the thing about Christianity is Jesus was all kindness and love. And, and so don't be hard on people. I would say, no, no, we need, we need to speak truth with kindness. We need, like Jesus, to be kind and yet lovingly confrontational with sin. We want to be filled with the Spirit and thereby to be living out the fruit of the Spirit, changing in our character and changing then in our behavior. Because Satan tempts us in order to make us fall. While God will test us or allow us to be tested in order to help us to kneel. Amen? And that is to kneel before him. Exodus 20, verse 20. Moses would say to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you. And in order that the awe of him or the fear of him may remain in you so that you may not sin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He wants to bring freedom in our lives. And so this is a natural outflow of worship. It came about that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and, and, and Abraham said, Here I am. Saying, Here I am. Saying yes to God is an act of worship. Saying yes to God is an act of worship. Because that's a recognition that God is worth the most. So Lord, whatever happens, Lord, I have seen the evidence of you. I have experienced you communicating with me. And I will follow you, Lord Jesus. I will trust you, God. And I will follow, not alone, but I will follow with others. You know, we we often don't know when we face challenges in life. We often struggle because we don't know if the challenge is a test from the Lord or if it's an attack from Satan. But I want to give you this encouragement. Sometimes we don't know. I want to give you this encouragement that I understand from Job that whatever the case, whichever it is, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, all-loving designer of the universe and all that is good knows and cares and invites us in the hard times and the good times to take whatever is in our hands and offer it to God for His direction. And personally, I define worship as bending the knee and surrendering the will. Worship involves bending the knee and surrendering the will. 
I have a friend who, who, who gave his life to Christ. And here's one of the, the cool things that happened. That without anybody pushing him or browbeating him or haranguing him or banging him over the head with a big Bible, because he was speaking to and listening to the Spirit, the Spirit very clearly said to him, you have a problem with alcohol and and you need to change. Without anybody else pushing him about it, he heard the voice of the Spirit and years later, uh, he is free, praise the Lord, from that control. Because when we bend the knee and we surrender the will, we will, it's not always easy, but we will step by step, day by day, Mistake by mistake, falling and being picked back up by God. We will change more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And so verse 2. God said, take now your son, Abraham. Take your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. This was an extreme ask, don't you think? This was a miracle boy. But just as testing gets harder and harder, the farther you go up in education. If you, I don't know if you've experienced that. That's, I think why some of us just say enough is enough. But just as testing gets harder and harder, the farther up we go in education. Abraham was a major leader, and so perhaps it's not surprising that his testing was so intense. When I came to this passage, and and, and I felt drawn to come to this passage for today, I did not know at the time that I would be talking about sacrifice on the 11th of November, the very day that we recognize and we remember those who have fallen. And I want to remind, just as as Chris reminded us, uh, that we do not promote war. Amen? Amen? We do not endorse war. War is one of the major evils of humankind when we talk about sacrifice. In fact, the roots of, of the EMCC, of this denomination, the roots are Mennonite. And so it's no surprise that we would say, even as Jesus did, who said, turn the other cheek and pray for your enemies. And Canada is, is very well known as a, as a peacekeeping nation. So Remembrance Day is a time to be particularly thankful for the sacrifice made by so many in the past and the present And I would also say that on Remembrance Day, it's also a really, really great time for us to remember the sacrifice that was made by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite Ed Sonnenberg up here. Because it's not often that Remembrance Day lands on Sunday. But today is also particularly the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I. And so we're pausing to remember and to be thankful for peace and for freedom. 
And so together, it's just turned 11 o'clock. So together, I'm going to ask for you to stand with me. And together, we're going to observe the better part of a minute of silence for us to give thanks and to remember whatever the Spirit put on our hearts to remember. Let's remember. And then that is going to play. Please be seated. And thank you so much, Ed. I just so appreciate that. God's timing is is just so helpful and so incredible how he would bring all of that together. We think of the sacrifice that was made by so many people as they, as they watched their children go to war. We come back to Abraham. And this intense testing, his only son, this miracle son, the very gift, again, the very gift that God had given God was now asking back. 
So it seemed. Consider the question, is there anything really good in your life? Something really good in your life, or maybe many things that are really good in your life, that you need to be willing to give over to God in an intentional way. And I can tell you very quickly that when I ask that question to myself, what comes to me very immediately are the three closest members of my family. My wife and our two sons. And we can think sometimes that we've given them over to the Lord, right? And then we just get reminded over and over again that we need to keep surrendering. That it's an ongoing process. We need to keep giving back over to God and keep remembering. We keep getting reminded sometimes. And sometimes the release is complete. And we really do give them up and praise the Lord. We know from Leviticus 20 that God has no place for sacrificing children. Some people will ask the question, well, well, in fact, when I did a little bit of Googling, it, it's interesting, some of the things people will write, well, well, I, Abraham sacrificed his son. How can that be right? Well, he didn't. But he was willing to. But you still need to work that one through. But we know from Leviticus 20 that God had no place for sacrificing children. This was sometime before that, but I expect, because when I read through the life of Abraham, I recognize that Abraham and God had a very close relationship. And it's because of that, I, I, I understand, that Abraham had the faith and the confidence and the understanding that this was a test. Abraham had encountered enough of the character of God and the faithfulness of God to realize this was a test. Well, what Abraham wouldn't know was that this would be a foreshadowing of what the Trinity, of what God the Father and God the Son would do. That God would love the world so much that he would give his only begotten Son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have Eternal life. Hallelujah. God will not test us beyond what we are able. But God would sacrifice more than we could imagine. Because God understands and God sets the example. So we go on in the story, in the account, and we read, Abraham rose early in the morning. He obeyed right away. What a great example. And he saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering, and he arose, and he went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes, and he saw the place from a distance where he was to end up going. Abraham obeyed promptly. And he made that journey, and he said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there and will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, on the altar. He took in his hand the fire and the knife. 
And they walked on together where Isaac would be laid on the altar. We don't know how old Isaac was. Maybe junior high age, maybe senior high age. All we understand is that he was, he was, he was probably somewhere from the age of, of, of military, younger. Who knew on Remembrance Day that that would be something that we would cite? But Abraham left the servants at the bottom of the hill and he said, Isaac and I are going to worship and then we'll come back. I can't imagine what that walk would have been like. So I have a 16-year-old son and that might have been the age of Isaac. And ordinarily, a three-day journey together, we'd have a great time. I mean, we'd, we'd be camping. That's, that's what they did, right? A three-day journey. They would have pitched a tent along the way, and, and Isaac, maybe Isaac was younger. Maybe Isaac was, was the age of, of uh, Chris's son, Connell. Maybe he was 11. And he would have been excited on going on a three-day journey and having a little camp out with his dad. But how conflicted was his father? We don't know. I mean, I would have been beside myself. In fact, I've got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know that I would have made that journey. Is it okay for me to say that? It would have been a huge struggle. What did Abraham mean when he said, we will worship? I know what he didn't mean. And this is, this is just reality. There was no awesome music. There were no announcements. And nobody had to sit through a sermon. Just father and son going up to pray, to offer thanks, probably to kneel, to offer something of great significance to God as a show of thanks and praise. That's what this blood sacrifice would be. And really, they were surrendering themselves to God. It's like when parents dedicate their children, what they're, what they're doing just as much, really, is they're dedicating themselves. And Abraham was surrendering himself to God, saying, this is the greatest gift you ever gave me. And in order for me to give him back to you, I've got to surrender. And Isaac was actually surrendering his entire self to God without, for at least some period of time, having any recognition of what was going on. Last week, we saw the wonder and the praise side of worship. Today, we see the surrender side of worship. Release, letting go, trusting the unseen, incredible God. I just imagine the Spirit of God from the time that they set out to the time that they reached the place of destination, those three days, I just imagine the Spirit of God was so present with Abraham and Isaac that he was covering them. He was enveloping them. He was encircling them. He was surrounding them. He was encompassing them. And I just ran out of synonyms. But God is that with you and me too. Amen? God is that with you. He is ever present. In fact, we never need to pray 
God, please be with us. Now, if somebody prays that, please don't correct them. Because often what we mean is, Lord, please be with us in a a very notable way. Please be with us that, that, that we would sense your presence. But the reality is God is always with us. And he's in us by his spirit. Praise his name. And so Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father. And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. Same as he said to God. Here I am. I'm here for you. And to God, he was saying, I'm here for you as your servant. To Isaac, he was saying, I'm here for you as your father. And Isaac said, Behold the fire and the wood, and, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I don't know how hard that would have been for him to say that. But he was a man recorded in Hebrews 11 of such, of such faith. We need people with the gift of faith, amen? We need people with the gift of faith. God is our provider. God is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Romans 8, 28 and 29. We ought not to read Romans 8, 28 without remembering verse 29. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For... Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. Don't tell me God doesn't want us to change. He wants us to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among the brothers and sisters. So Abraham and Isaac, they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built there an altar and arranged the wood. And he bound his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven... And said, Abraham, Abraham. And you know what Abraham said? He said the same thing he said to God. And he said the same thing he said to his son. He said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For I know now that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Is there anything that we are withholding from God? Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered up a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Say that with me. 
Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this very day of writing, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. The mount of the Lord referring to Jerusalem, the temple of Jerusalem, the temple mount in Jerusalem. I heard it said recently that God's timing may sometimes be last minute. You ever experienced that? But it's never late. God's timing may be last minute. I mean, how last minute was this? But it's never late. Praise his name. This is a foreshadowing again of what Jesus would do. Some use the phrase substitutionary atonement. That Jesus atoned for. He paid for. He, he, he was the sacrifice for. He stood in the gap for. He, he shed his blood for. We, we remember that last week with communion. He was our atonement and our redemption, our payment. And as the ram died in Isaac's place, so Jesus would give his life as a ransom, as a payment in the place of many. Mark 10, 45. God modeled sacrifice. The perfect unity of the Trinity was agonized when on the cross, Jesus took upon himself the weight of the sin of all humankind. And he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's an unbelievable moment that none of us could could ever possibly imagine that he would take upon himself the weight of the sin of the world and the Father would actually have to turn from him because God cannot stand sin. But friends, God understands sacrifice. God understands agony. God shares so much of the emotion with us from the sorrow to the righteous anger, from the agony to the joy, God experiences that with us. And what Satan might hope will tear down, God will use to build up. About 23 years ago, I remember... being in a hospital room in London. After an incredible journey of nine months that started with gestational diabetes and then ended up with an increasing amount of fluid and then ended up being probably hydrocephalus and then ended up being such a beautiful baby being born. He was perfect. At least his his face was. But he had a huge tumor from inside the womb. His name was Christopher. And he was our firstborn. But you know, a little over a year later, what a joy for us when our son Andrew was born. 
so that we would say thank you, Lord, and, and name him with the middle name Zechariah, which means God remembered. We never sacrificed our firstborn, but, but, but he passed the day he was born. And I want to encourage you that what Satan might hope will tear down and the circumstances that happen, that Satan might want to discourage us and have us turn from God and say, God, why would you allow that to happen to us? Instead, God wants to build up and say, I am with you through this tragedy. And I am in agony with you. Because as a patient God, I recognize this is a fallen world. And it's full of pain and sorrow and disease and war. And praise the Lord that since then he has given opportunity for ministry. Because God is so good. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and he said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is in the seashore. Your descendants shall also possess the gate of their enemies. In your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. God spoke to Abraham then. God still communicates and speaks today. Amen? And there is no more reliable word given than the promises of God, like we just read the promise of God. The result of true worship is true spiritual blessing. Because we are called by Jesus to worship in spirit, led by the spirit, and in truth. Jesus is the truth. So may I encourage you this morning, if, if perhaps part of what you need to let go of is that you or a loved one are facing major physical challenge. We pray for healing to the great physician. Amen? Because he still heals today. And most importantly, he heals the spirit. But he heals from the inside out, and he heals the body through praise his name. And he continues to heal that we know that in eternity we will have renewed bodies. And we will be healed and we will see him just as he is. We acknowledge that from the need for glasses, which we take for granted, by the way, to the ominous realities of cancer and more, God is with us in the journey. God is inviting us to keep giving it to him with the knowledge that he will heal either on this side or on the other side of the lives that we're now living. And we will keep petitioning him for his will to be done. And obedience leads to blessing. 
Obedience leads more than anything to spiritual blessing because when we are blessed spiritually and we, and we recognize it, that's more important than any other blessing that we could receive. So will you take your hands again with me and rather than clenching them, will you open them up before the Lord? Because when we raise our hands, it's when I raise my hands, there are at least two things that that may go through my mind as I raise them. And one is that this is an act of surrender to say, God, I'm yours. And the other is that this is a gesture of thanksgiving. And so it was for the people of Israel when they would raise their hands in thanksgiving to the Lord and they would clap their hands. Can you recognize and I recognize that every good gift that we have received comes from the good good Father of heavenly lights, in whom there is no shifting or changing. If we belong to God, then everyone and everything in our care that is good really belong to God. Can you believe that? Is there anything that you need to surrender to God? Is there anything I need to surrender to God? Is there anything that we're holding on to tightly and we need to loosen our grip? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a lot. God is patient, rich in love, slow to anger, loving to transform. Sometimes it's a process of letting go. Sometimes it's Releasing and releasing and releasing and surrendering and surrendering and surrendering. Let me invite the musicians to come forward. Is there maybe in your life a relationship that you need to surrender to God? And and you know what that might mean, what surrender might mean. Surrender might mean that you need to release that person to God and, and, and maybe release control. Or maybe it might mean that you, you need to release a relationship if it's not healthy. Are there any family members that you need to release to God? Is there any stuff that you have that you need to release to God? Do you hold on to with this idea, it's mine. And let me suggest to you that if it's not a good thing, then it probably is yours. But if it is a good thing, it belongs to God. We need to remember that all the good things, uh, they don't belong to us. We're here that long in light of eternity. Do you need to, to perhaps release control somewhat of health? Because Might health be something that is standing in the way of your having a good, strong, listening, obeying relationship with God? Because your spirit and your mind need to be transformed. Do you need need to release some health to Him? Are there any attitudes that you and I might have that we need to release to God today? Oh, brothers and sisters, church, we need to release attitudes, amen? I had one just today. 
have to give it to the Lord? Is there any resentment or bitterness over something, over anything? That somehow, some way, you're, you're holding on, or you know somebody who is who needs to let go. And the resentment is there, the bitterness in there, and that's just a form of control and sin. And the evil one gets in there when it's bitterness. And there's a root that develops. And it gets stronger and stronger. And it is not of God. Let's pray together. And I want to offer to you this morning that if there's something that you know you need to let go of, that you tell at least two persons or four because one of them is God and God is a trinity but the two persons are that you tell God because he's the one who can transform but that you also tell somebody else because God has called us to live in community and accountability and relationship with brothers and sisters that we are not to walk this walk alone And you might be able to sit in your seat today and say, you know what? Everything in my life is surrendered to God. And I say to you, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And may that just flow out to others around you. So that they can see what freedom looks like. They can see what the joy of the Lord looks like. They can see what surrender looks like and say, there's something about you that I need. But as we sing and as we pray, as we worship the Lord, this altar is always open. This front is always open. If, if, if for any reason you need to come and you want to be prayed with, you please do that. If there's anything that you and I need to surrender to God, now let this be a day when that's taking place, whether in part or in full. Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.